this is your welcoming ceremony into the best worst club. It's the club that none of us want to be a part of, with the best kind of people. We are the one in ten, doing our very best at living with endometriosis. Think of this podcast as your space to be understood, uplifted, and plugged into the thriving endo community. This disease is a beast to live with. It's one that crosses into taboo territory, and the road to management is peppered with obstacles. Tune in weekly to be equipped with research-based information and tangible tools to navigate the medical system as a fierce self-advocate. To be moved by other warriors' raw and real stories while contributing to spreading awareness of our realities and to glean helpful life hacks and coping skills from perspectives of people who truly get it. I'm your host and fellow Indo warrior, Mariah Battaglia, better known as the Indo doula on IG. And while I hate that you're part of the club, I hope you'll stay. Make sure to follow the show so you don't miss any of the latest episodes and upcoming guests. The following episode may contain topics or experiences that could be triggering to some and are of mature nature. Talk of depression, medical trauma, disordered eating, and other sensitive issues may be talked about. Please listen at your own discretion and remember that this podcast is never meant to be taken as medical advice. Please consult your doctor or therapist about any medical or mental health questions you have. Today, I am so excited to welcome our first guest to the podcast, Becca Cloud. She is a content creator who shares videos on TikTok that spread a message of body acceptance and kindness. She is also a badass yogi, aerialist, and what she might be known best for, dancer. Becca speaks the language of the platform through her moves while simultaneously breaking stigmas and creating space for representation. Becca's videos have gone viral over and over again. She's been featured on Yahoo News and is an airy ambassador. And let me add, she's just getting started. Please welcome to the podcast and member of the Best Worst Club, Becca Cloud. This episode is sponsored by Epiphany Art Co., a woman-owned business whose signature color just so happens to be Indo Yellow. Aubrey is a stay-at-home mom who has struggled with period problems her whole life and was recently diagnosed with PCOS, leading her to seek out a job where she could work for herself. Her small business has allowed her to stay home and homeschool three of four of her kids. From her handmade polymer clay earrings to her perfect for iced coffee cups, every piece is bringing the vibes. Please go show this Florida-grown, stay-at-home mama, crafty artist, the love and support our community has to offer. Aubrey has generously created an exclusive discount code for our listeners. Use code BESTWORSTCLUB, all caps, to receive 15% off. See the show notes for details. Welcome to the Best Worst Club podcast. I'm so excited you're here. I feel like oh my gosh, been like- I am. I am so honored. 
Yay. I know. I feel like this is going to be a really good conversation. It's one that we need to have and has been a long time coming. So before we jump in, would you like to introduce yourself to our community here? Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm just so, like you said, this is such a long time coming. I'm so honored um, and excited to be here. My name is Becca Cloud. I am 33 years old, lucky number 33, hopefully. Um, I am a Sarasota local, born in Oklahoma, but um, Sarasota is very much so home. Um, I, You and I met, I think it's been around four years ago now, and I will chat more about that. Um, but we initially connected over endometriosis. And I was born with a bunch of birth defects, something called Vodder syndrome, um, which includes spina bifida and severe scoliosis. So I've had a lot of surgeries. I've had a lot of, um, just because I know I'm in good company here, medical trauma throughout my life um and as an adult i've now kind of in the works of diagnosis kind of treatments for um endometriosis and that whole journey you are definitely in good company here (laughs) I feel like journey doesn't even like begin to describe like what it is to suspect endometriosis and then seek out a um, diagnosis. It's like a fucking gauntlet. (laughs) It's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's trauma. Like the, we've talked about it and unfortunately so many people can relate and the ER visits and the gaslighting and the for me, having the best doctors look at me and say, I can't help you. And it's just like fucking crushing. Yeah. Um, but there's also a lot of joy in my life. I don't want to start start this podcast off on that like super kind of deep um, moment, but I'm, a- I'm always open to go there later in the conversation. But there also are a lot of joys in my life. I am a speech pathologist. I am a certified yoga instructor. I love doing aerial arts. That's how we also instantly connected over. I was a dancer most of my life. I now oddly find myself as a content creator for TikTok. It's been, again, it's a fucking journey. I'm sorry if you don't want me to cuss. I'm sorry. You can bleep me out. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. So before we start talking about all the amazing things that you have done and like the incredible thing that you have turned your whole like medical journey into, um, let's talk a little bit more about like how we connected. Cause I think that, yeah, I like, I like to give a background to our listeners. And I also think that it is a good, um, story or representation of what social media can do like out of something positive um Mm -hmm. I really strongly believe in the endometriosis community that's why you know I've created this podcast and like 
the difference that it's made in my life, I can't even begin to explain. And it has brought me friends that are lifelong friends like you. And so Mm -hmm. like to share a little bit about that. Yeah, this conversation wouldn't be happening if it wasn't for social media. Serious. Like that there are, you know, a lot of crappy parts of the internet, but I choose to live in a space that is so grateful for social media. And um, so you and I, I don't, we were chatting before. I don't know if it, I'm sure actually I probably reached out first knowing me. <laughs> I, when I, <laughs> when I find accounts that I really connect with and women that I, you know, feel like I can learn from, I'm not, you know, I'm not ashamed to slide into DMs. Um, and so somehow we connected and it was during a time that I was in the tumultuous going doctor to doctor, um, not getting a diagnosis and you are a little bit further along in your diagnosis and you were seeking out, I believe at the time, your excision surgery. Mm -hmm. And we um, met up at a fresh kitchen and just immediately, I just felt supported and to just have someone to text or even just um, follow on, on Instagram, someone when you're having a flare up and when you're in those, you know, cycles it's it's nice not to feel alone and that's what I think is the gift of social media we're able to stay and care for ourselves and you know sometimes this dark place but not be alone at the same time yeah absolutely absolutely I think it's a it's so powerful especially in the chronic illness and disability community I think because they're mm-hmm. that you know we're housebound or we're bedbound and you know our social circle gets extremely small and uh i think for a long time in the beginning of my journey i downplayed my like internet friends or the connections that i was making on social media you know because i don't mm-hmm. know there's some kind of like stigma that's like oh you just do that for the gram kind of thing you know and mm-hmm. and it's like I don't know, social media has become such a part of our everyday lives, like everyone in general. So why would we put less of a value on that? I mean, I think some of my social media friends probably know more about what I'm currently going through. (laughs) Some of my family members, you know? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And definitely- that ability to relate like I think even like those closest to you when you're going through a sickness uh, you know and trying to get diagnosed and I'm sure this is something that you can relate to having this been your entire life those closest to you want to support you and they want to understand but there is like a gap they can only understand to their ability yes exactly exactly and I think um I hope to get into 
you know, later on in the conversation, the, the power of representation, but that's, you know, what social media is becoming. We, you know, we want to feel connected. We want to feel like we're not the only one going through this. And so it, it really opens up those doors to be in other, I don't, I'm not finding my words very well, but the, the thought that comes to mind is I mentioned before, I have Vodder syndrome. It's this very, very rare, well, not, it's a rare birth defect and series of birth defects even. So even more rare than that. I had never in my life met someone else with scoliosis, let alone, you know, this very rare series. And through social media, I now have talked with and become close, at least internet, like you're saying, like, I, I feel like we have become close with Mm -hmm. other people that have this rare condition. And things that I deal with every single day that people can only, you know, empathize with to some degree, I now can like, like their stories and, you know, see their wedding photos and see myself in them. They see their themselves in me. And like, how powerful is that? Seriously, like I literally have chills. It's just, it's incredible. And I think that conversations like this and as more time goes by, I just think it's helped breaking that stigma of like, Mm -hmm. just internet friends. Like, no, they are lifelines. They are real friends. And it does end up like seeping into quote unquote real life. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. we get up or we get to collaborate on these projects and like, I just think, yeah, that it's really incredible. And so that leads me to, because you have done something amazing on TikTok. I would love to talk (laughs) your TikTok journey. So (laughs) what, over a million followers now? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not that, no. Uh, (laughs) I mean, let's manifest that, please. (laughs) Oh my God, I said that when our recording was at 11 minutes and 11 seconds. Oh! Ah! <laughs> okay cool so i'll be at a million next week okay so um it sound like whoa 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 like i'm not even close girlfriend oh no okay. that was me no that no no that was me manifesting i'm at <laughs> i'm at um 218,000. so the way that i like to kind of explain this to like people from the outside is I would say in the like influencer content creator scale I'm still at the kind of like low to like mediocre following range I'm starting to get a little bit of partnerships and I make some money more some months than others Mm -hmm. um But also, when you break it down to, like, outside of the influencer world, that's still a lot of people watching my videos. Like, that's kind of crazy to wrap your head around. Like, 218,000 people. Uh, That's a couple of football stadiums watching me shake my ass. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so how that came about was during the pandemic. So not long after you and I um, first met, I was, so I was going through the crazy journey of traveling the state, trying to go to these expert doctors to get a diagnosis, having horrible chronic pain and, and all the other symptoms that go along with endometriosis. Um, and ended up having to leave my job as a speech therapist. And I was on full disability in my bed, basically all the time. Um, and then the world shut down and co you know, COVID came and the, the world was at home yeah. and my sister, she's like 17 months older than I am, is um, like my best friend in the whole wide world. Um, and she is a professional dancer and acupuncturist in New York City. And so we were both at home and love dancing together. And it really just started as a way of like her and I connecting during the pandemic. We would do dance videos together like we did when we were seven. <laughs> and it was just something I enjoyed doing and kind of had a few videos go viral and it just kind of skyrocketed. And that's when my kind of more internal growth journey took in because Unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, some of the the hype and the followers were this like it, amazing uproar of support and meeting these people with scoliosis and meeting these people with Vater syndrome and like all of this positive. But there was also like this huge outrage of ignorance mm -hmm. that was also like flown right at me mm -hmm. and realizing that I can't hide my scoliosis. So like, why am I trying? And it was this very, it started this kind of journey that I now consider like disability acceptance. Mm. That between literally losing my job to chronic pain and then having my face to the internet because of how, you know, good or bad, it's, I, I stood out. I looked different. Mm -hmm. um, really brought me to this, like, heightened place of self-acceptance mm -hmm. where I now say that I'm proud to have a disability, a word I would not used three years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and now that is like one of, I feel my greatest purposes is doing this content creation, getting people that look like me in mainstream media. Mm -hmm. It seeing someone with scoliosis shouldn't spark this like fight or flight ignorance response. It shouldn't be that weird to see someone that looks like me. Right. It just, to me, that just signals a, a problem that I need to fix. Um, and 
I'm really open to where this TikTok journey takes me. Um, you know, whether it's seeing the numbers 1111 or, you know, I've had a few psychic readings. I just, I feel like something, some door is going to open um, and I'm, I'm going to have the opportunity to like have some part in this representation problem that our media has. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. I think one, I think it's amazing that you were able to face that kind of negativity and instead of it making you want to like shut down and hide, you were like, no, I'm going to call this out because it's not right. And I just think that's really brave and uh, it's something that's like trailblazing. Like you are definitely making <laughs> an impact for the disability community. And that's incredible. Um, Thank I, you. So welcome. I do want to ask you like what fears or insecurities did you have to work through? Like getting on TikTok and were they there in the beginning or was it something that more so like, bloomed as your following bloomed um I feel like I've always kind of well I've always loved to be a performer mm-hmm. that I will know I've I love being on stage as a kid I did acting I did dancing I was a cheerleader I I love to put on a show so that I think that there is a little bit of sense of um, blind confidence, if you will, of, um, I don't, because I do have insecurities, but it's just this ability of like, I'm going to glamour them anyways. I don't know. Yeah, no, um, that like, I, I definitely stage feels like home to me. And I think there's something about like, a performer's heart like there's just something yeah okay yeah so that's how I kind of approached TikTok okay as like this is me performing this is me like you know when I post a video this is a performance um but when you know when faced (laughs) with kind of backlash you know when people are like literally saying like what is that Ugh. you know, and I'm a it, I'm the that. Um, in like you know, such I could, you know, go on and on, but you do you I do get faced with like, oh, this is how the world sees me. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I can you know, I've had judgments, I've had stares, I've had everything my whole life. But it's you know, when someone's behind a keyboard and there's no filter, that's a different, you know that's a different story. Um, and I, I don't, it's hard for me to explain my ability to get through it. I think it, again, it's just like the, the stubbornness in me is just like, I have to prove them wrong. Yeah. (laughs) I don't, I like, I have to teach them. That's awesome. um, I think my insecurities come more internal than external, to be honest. I think that's really, and like, 
I think that shows a lot of the work that you've already done, like in acceptance. Um, but I also think that that shows a lot of maybe the society that we live in and how much we internalize things and how mm -hmm. it's so much easier to uh, see the best in someone else and like hype someone else up or give them advice. But it's so hard to take that in for yourself. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this kind of piggybacks on what we were just talking about. <clears throat> How has your journey with TikTok helped your relationship with your own body image? And like how, so you touched on this a little bit, but how do you deal with the trolls on your account? I know I've seen um, a couple of TikTok videos of you where you like post the trolls comment and directly respond to that. And I am always like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely a balance. Um, but like I explained before, that um, having this experience of kind of gaming, gaining a little bit of a following um, has, has really allowed me to step further into my identity of mm -hmm. not wanting to pretend my disability isn't there. Yeah. Because it's doing everyone a disservice yeah um and really being proud of just the way my body is I think helps me physically it helps me emotionally it allows me to tend to my body's needs with more love and care and then I've been able to meet other you know, men, but particularly women that have similar conditions in me that I've really connected with. It's been, there are negative parts, but it has been a very positive experience. But it's work, man. Being a content creator is not easy. I do not want to gloss over that. Um, and I know you can attend to that. Um, it takes a lot of work. It takes a Nothing happens overnight. Um, you know, even if one video goes viral, it's you have to like then, you know, make it last. Right. Um, and then as for the haters, I love to call them. Um, I, for the most part, leave them, leave it alone. Yeah. But particularly in TikTok, I know a lot of these people are young. Like, sometimes I, I click these profiles and it is shocking how young these people are that are saying these very, very hurtful, ignorant things. And so I, for the most part, leave it alone. I, but I, I got some fire in me sometimes, girl. <laughs> and I can't help myself and a, a few times I bite back in the comments um I can't help it especially if I click on the profile and it's like another like woman my age or something it's like girl no we're not going there um or like a grown-ass man those are usually the ones that I try to like 
glass up a little bit. Yeah, they deserve. <laughs> and so it'll the way the ones that I usually end up picking is if it correlates to some trending sound or like some um, video concept that I think is creative. I don't mind putting them on blast get those notifications. I don't care. Because every time I do that, not only does that person get notifications, but every single person that likes that comment also gets a notification. So if you are co-signing to whatever that person said, you can get my notification too. You're welcome. Mm, dang, I didn't know that. Talk about a snack. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, you can see my shit too. Because usually it's like, these people are commenting or liking or da 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 on my videos, which means it's telling the algorithm that they want to see more of me. Right? So if you, like, if you don't like me, don't interact with my, com my, my content. I'm just going to keep showing up more on your page. So if you're going to do that, I'm going to make sure that I'll show up on your page again. Yes. Yes. I love so I think too, this kind of goes along with something that you said earlier about how like seeing someone with scoliosis shouldn't start such like a firestorm. Like it shouldn't be <laughs> anything other than seeing another human being, right? Right. So I think one of the coolest things about social media is that we are like actively changing marketing and demanding that inclusivity be a part of marketing and representation so can you share a little bit about why you think representation is important and how that could have helped you when you were younger yeah it is definitely I feel like I mentioned before I believe one of my greatest purposes um I quote her all the time but like lord and savior Brene Brown um talks about how connection and vulnerability mm. fosters connection and connection fosters empathy empathy fosters love like all, everything the world needs um can be started by one being vulnerable with others taking the mask off getting real taking the filters off um yes which then once we start getting real with each other, then we start seeing ourselves and others, which fosters connection. And so in order for people to feel connected, they have to see themselves and others. And it starts with what, you know, what we're consuming in our daily lives. You know, what started with before social media before even like lots of TV and everything, you would only know what you know in your small town. Right. You only can care about the people that you know personally. And then, you know, once we started seeing people in movies and there is, you know, starting to be a little bit more representation, but then we got it, all of the models and the things in the, early 90s the 90s and 2000s when everyone was just like tall and thin and toxic and you know what we grew up thinking was beautiful 
I mentioned before, I never saw someone with scoliosis, even in media, magazine, anything, until a YouTube video, um, I don't know, I think I was in grad school, so like in my 20s. And it was this artist that was going and finding people with all body types, casting their bodies and like making them into mannequins. And it was just like so cool. It was this girl that had a really just like, oh my gosh, my sister sent me the link. Her build was just like mine. Mm. And yeah it gave me goosebumps Mm. but like also why was I in my 20s before I saw someone that looked like me yeah and so yes I think social media has opened that gate and really given the power back into the people for what they want to see and consume you know so much of our media was controlled by you know, these upper wig people telling us what sh- what shows to watch and who should be on the shows. And now with TikTok, I think a lot more people spend time on their phone than they do in, on, you know, watching a movie or a TV show. Um, so it gives us a little bit of that control back. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that is like, that's such a good story about why representation matters. It blows my mind to think that you were in your twenties before you ever saw someone with your body type. Like I can't even, especially being as privileged as I am of like, you know, a very white woman, normal looking, overly Mm -hmm. represented, you know, like pushed on freaking every marketing campaign ever. I like really can't imagine what, that does to your psyche of like never being able to see yourself in someone else's role, especially being a performer and wanting to be on stage and doing these things. Mm -hmm. That is so tragic and sad and wrong. I think it just like really, um, and maybe this can like be a segue, really force me to dissociate from my differences Mm. and just like because I had no one to like idolize or look up to that had it it was just like again like no I don't have a disability Mm. I don't have like yeah I have scoliosis but like no I, I if I pose this particular way only on my right side and I put my hand on my hip like this you can't really tell Mm. and you know and I so like I always would do that in the in the in the pictures and and I like wouldn't really mention it if I was online dating you know just little kind of like microscopic ways that I was not really fully accepting it Accepting yourself. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's kind of like a really big part of myself. Right. Right. It affects you every single day. Like, yes. Like you said, you can't 
you know, even if you pose a certain way, like you can't totally hide it. It is. No. And yeah. And honestly, would you really want to hide that? Like think about how that has shaped you as Becca, the human being. Like you can't even begin to explain who you are without all of those experiences. Right. Right. And I just like, it just all, you know, I I could lab on forever, please. But (laughs) I would even just like growing up being a kid, I would, I've had maybe between 25 and 30 surgeries in 33 years. And most of them happened in early childhood. And so I would have multiple surgeries over a summer and then go back to school like nothing happened or have surgeries over winter break or spring break and then go back to school and pretend like nothing happened Mm -hmm. it was very much so just like do what you got to do dissociate continue being a kid Mm -hmm. and that like do you feel like that is in part because of the missing representation like there was no space for a kid? I think more of the mental things that happen later, like teenage, like, you know, once you're in middle school and all of that, I think more when I was a kid, it was survival. Mm. Just put your head down and get through it. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There wasn't time to like, process or like comprehend really I was young right right yeah I think um we'll just like you know I feel like it's not until we become adults that we're like oh shit you know that thing that happened at five years old yeah that Mm -hmm. didn't affect me right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I don't know Just because like our brains, you know, don't have the capability of processing that now. So in some aspect, it's like a self-preservation technique. Absolutely. Even as adults, we have self-preservation techniques. Right. Yeah. And there, it's like our strongest instinct. And it's so crazy. That's, that is one thing I learned in therapy. My therapy, mm-hmm. Mariah, your brain has kept you alive for 30 years doing these things. So it's- yes continue to do those things because to it it's doing a good job yes exactly Mm -hmm. so I know that you kind of like segued a little bit into like what we're talking now about how body image and that really um goes so hand in hand I feel like with accepting like your disability and your diagnosis it's like I feel Mm -hmm. like part of where I've been in my journey for like the last couple of years like same kind of thing of, um, you know, I never would have used the word disability a few years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do have like my own, um, sometimes I feel like, well, you know, other people have it so much worse, or there's so much more complex disabilities, you know, I'm lucky because there are some days that I can function. And like, you know, just balancing, not invalidating myself. um, Right. Okay. And so, I don't know, there's just so many parallels of like, and this is why, you know, we've connected so much, but how I can see myself in your journey. And I'm just thinking, it's just speaks to exactly what we're doing here. 
Exactly, exactly. And it's, it's only by us coming together and not only having, you know, this conversation, but conversations you and I have just had as friends over the years of just like being vulnerable and like talking about this stuff and about the darkness. And unfortunately, our stories aren't rare. Right. And it, and it, Having chronic illness sucks, man. It really does. It really does. There's so many times that we're like, but I'm okay, but I'm using my coping skills, but this, and it's like, no, chronic illness sucks, period. Mm -hmm. That's a sentence. Yes, yes. And just having other, you know, other women to, to hold that space for when I know it, because you know, the darkest times never last forever. Mm-hmm. And to have people remind you of that when you're there and then you can, I, I love watching your stories when you have good days. It just like brings me life because I know they exist and I know those will happen for me too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this past week I had company come and my body let me have two whole days of just like man not symptom free not pain free but I was able to I was able to be present and I was so fucking grateful yeah yeah and to and and social media allows us to just like have those connections and be those sparks of hope for each other yeah exactly I know it's like so um one of the things that you helped me realize was like, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier about disassociating from your body and like how detrimental that can become in your relationship with yourself. And I know that it was um, in part talking with you that I recognized a lot of my own disordered eating, um, especially as I got more sick, like that. Mm-hmm. In- big time and uh you know food became like an enemy and it was so hard to be to exist around food um so would you say that there is like a connection or maybe like a higher risk for disordered eating in like the disability or chronic illness community I am not a researcher I have not looked at the data Mm -hmm. This is just coming from my own personal experience and some experiences with other people I have met. I do think that it would make sense to me for there to be a link, not only with disordered eating, but um, addictive behaviors in general. Um, One, people with disabilities um, have a higher risk of, you know, trauma, PTSD, um, you know, violence, all of the horrible things that do cause addictive behaviors. But also when you're, when you're constantly at, in battle with your own body, it's hard to be compassionate to it. Yeah. And, um, and for me with, my disability, at least my scoliosis being 
so visible to anyone that sees me for a 50 yard radius can tell that I have a disability. There is no hiding it. And so for so much of my life, I, I, an eating disorder, unfortunately, has been a part of my life for over 10 years, um, sometimes worse, sometimes better. Um, because I think in the beginning, I was so much wanting to dramatically change my body in any way that I could control. So much of my body, the way that I eat, the way that I pee, the way that I poop, the way that I feel, the way that I think is outside of my control. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, any desperate way that I can change that or have control of that, I think my, again, my survival instincts want to control something. It's like, this is how my body is taught to survive. Um, And it fixates on a lot of times food or my body, the way I look, how much I weigh. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, it makes sense to me that people that struggle with their own relationship with their body would need that control over something. Yeah. Yeah. Control. I think you just like totally hit the nail on the head. Like when you said that word, I was like, Oh my God, that's totally what I was trying to do. You know, Mm -hmm. for me, I mean, I can definitely look back in my life and see how like being a dancer kind of led to some disordered eating, but it wasn't really until, um, getting so sick with endometriosis and my, my physical abilities changing so much that I started fixating on like, well, I can control how much I eat. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like, it wasn't until you said that, that it, that even clicked. And for me, a, a lot of times with chronic illnesses, what we eat does affect how we feel. Right. And, and does affect our symptoms. So a lot of times that's a slippery slope for me where I'm going, you know, gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, da-da-da, da-da-da-da, because I so desperately just want to feel better. Yeah. And um, in knowing that I've, I've had a, a history of, eating disorders to a point that I've had to be hospitalized, I have to be so careful. Mm. But how do you, it's like, it's like telling an alcoholic to only have one beer a day. Right. You know, it's like, how do you, you, you still have to eat, you still have to nourish your body, but I'm dancing with the devil here. Right. Exactly. That totally brings me into my next question. So how do you deal with feeding your body, especially when flaring or like, or like long periods of like being inactive? Cause I know for me, mm-hmm. I still have that like voice in my head. That's like, well, you didn't do enough today to eat. Yeah. Um, don't have that figured out. Um, I'm, it's a, it's a work in progress to, I've tried, I've tried a lot. I've tried meal planning. I'm not a cook. Um, I, I still, 
I still struggle tremendously with like even motivation to eat. Mm -hmm. I'm the kind of girl that needs reminding to go and, you know, have something to eat. So I do a lot of protein bars. I do a lot of vegan protein shakes. I do a lot of smoothies. Um, when it comes to real meals, um, I do not always, but some weeks I get meal delivery service. Yeah. It's, it's the, it has to be easy. I I have so many barriers already to nourishing my body, whether that I'm physically nauseous, I'm physically in pain, or mentally I'm anxious, mentally I'm depressed. There's so many barriers that are telling me it's not worth it to eat, that it has to be easy. (laughs) And I'm still working on making my millions to have a private chef make that happen. Yes. (laughs) That's so funny you said that. That's literally something me husband joked about. He's like, (laughs) private chef, because you're ridiculous. (laughs) I just need, that's, that's, that's all I need. You know, I don't need a big fancy car. Um, (laughs) So the easier, my answer is the easier, the better. So a lot of protein bars, protein shakes, unfortunately. No, I don't think that's unfortunate. I think that's really awesome because like that to me felt very like, like you were giving me permission because that's exactly what I look for too. It's like, it has to be easy. If there are extra steps or it's harder, you know, or more energy tasking, like I will just skip it. I am the, yeah. it's very easy to be like, oh no, that's too much work. I will just not eat. Especially yep. when you live in bodies that it's like, well, if I eat this or if I eat that, or because I'm in this time of my cycle, no matter what I eat, I'm going to end up almost shitting my pants or be yep or in some kind of pain yep Mm -hmm. it's like oh is this meal going to send me to the bathroom is this meal going to descend my belly even further than it already is is this meal gonna make it so that I can't take the aerial class that I just paid $20 for um yeah it's like it's not just a meal. Unfortunately, there's so much that is running through my mind that, that of the potential things that this meal could cause. So it's just like, oh, I should just stay safe. And I know that this protein bar that doesn't have the, the freshness and the variety and the greens and the, the, all the stuff that my body actually needs in it, but it feels safe and easy and I'm going to call it a day and move on with my life yeah yeah that's so relatable and then like like we were saying before who else can relate to that unless you have somehow lived that experience because for other people food is like enjoyable and it's a connector and it's just like something that you do without thought like well duh you Mm -hmm. have breakfast lunch and dinner what do you mean and, you know, for us, it's like, it's literally like anxiety inducing and takes a lot of planning and mm-hmm. dramatic. 
that is one thing I am. I am dramatic. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think I have some reason to be so sometimes. I've earned it. Absolutely. <laughs> So, okay, so how do you think or do you think that, like, beauty standards, especially ones that we grew up with, you know, in, like, the 90s and early 2000s, do you think, I guess we kind of already touched on this, that that affected your disordered eating and your body image? I think so. I mean, it'd be, I think, difficult for any woman our age to admit to not being influenced by beauty standards um was that something that you were like cognitively aware of then or was it something more that you've realized now I think I was cognitively aware of it then really because I think I just like I desperately just wanted to be pretty and I knew that I wasn't Mm. and I desperately wanted my body to look like other women's and I knew that it wasn't. And so I, I don't think I got the conceptualization of just like, Oh, disability representation or like Uh none of, none of that was at, at mind. But I just knew at the time that I, I didn't look like what the pretty girls looked like. Right, right. It's like they were feeding, you know, telling us this is what pretty is and Mm -hmm. turning a page and you don't see yourself in it. Yeah, I get that. Mm -hmm. So practices that you do or that you'd be willing to share to help like practice that self-kindness, especially like in a body that feels like it's fighting against you so often. I've really had to revamp um, my day to day. At one point, I was working over 40 hours a week at a hospital on my feet all day long. And that is no longer a possibility. So I've had to have a, had to have a lot of self-compassion mm-hmm. and a lot of experimentation on what works, what doesn't work to really get to a place of self-care because I've learned that if I don't things don't go well Mm. and I have to throw shame out the window I have to throw guilt out the window for saying no to things to having boundaries and it is still so hard sometimes um but I some of I've had to so work-wise, I do shorter days more frequently. Um, so instead of, you know, eight-hour days, five days a week, I do like four to five days, six days a week. I'm still figuring it out. It's not ideal. But shorter days of work seem to energetically work better for me. Yeah. I can get my work done early in the morning, but by early afternoon, when my energy is really starting to dip, I also don't like to eat at work because I don't know how it's going to affect me. Oh my God. So by by early afternoon, I 
I'm really hungry and my energy is crashing and I need to eat and I like to be home when I eat. Um, so that's just like a technical thing I've had to figure out. Um, were you going to say something? Uh, not at that moment, but I was just thinking like all of these things that we're talking about right now go back to like acceptance, right? Like, yeah. that these are your needs and that you deserve to have needs met. It's a, and it's a work in, it's a work in progress. I, I'm trying to figure out what are my needs for sure. But um, I was even talking at work the other day of it's the constant battle when you have chronic illnesses or a disability of when to step up to the plate and live up to quote unquote your full potential and when to accept help. Mm -hmm. And that is a multiple times a day argument that I asked myself. (laughs) Yeah, Um, relatable. So having shorter days, allowing myself to come home and rest in the afternoons has been a really um, big decision for me. I do a lot of yoga. I try to stay mobile even when it hurts. Um, And my new thing is I take a bath every single night oh like not not like oh yeah every single night a few times a week or whatever no every single night I draw a bath with bubbles and candles and I get in it and it's steaming hot and I describe it as a heating pad for my whole body yes oh my god I'm so proud of you for doing that I think that's something we've talked about before how like the bathtub is one of the few things that just like is like instant relief. Yes. Yeah. I think that's so awesome that you have made that like a non-negotiable and not because I am bad about like I reserve that for like my worst pain days. So I think it's mm-hmm. so like, no, I'm going to do this to, for myself every single day. That's awesome. I'm going to start. That. I, it, I rave about bathtubs to anyone that'll listen. Um, I know it's a privilege that not all people have bathtubs or not all bathtubs are accessible for all all bodies. So I do want to recognize that. But if you are able to, please just take a hot bath. Yes. It It is so highly underrated as adults. It is time... I always, I just love to put my ears under the water so I hear my heartbeat and it's so meditative and quiet and like I said, it's a heating pad for the whole body. Like if my, there's sometimes those days that there's, there's too many body parts that hurt Mm -hmm. and just soaking the whole body, sometimes even my scalp and my hair. Uh, just just do me a favor if you get anything from this recording go take a bubble bath yes yes and if you don't have a bathtub put a chair in the shower because it took me forever to do that and I was like this is a fucking game changer I haven't done that I lay down in the the shower dark days when I lay in the shower but I've done it 
into but then sometimes I'm like okay now I have to get up off the floor (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that is a thing Mm -hmm. oh man dang I feel like we like this was I feel like we could keep continue to go on like we should definitely (laughs) be back on the podcast for another episode but I feel like this was like so juicy and good and I really hope that I think anyway that you can our listeners will be able to take like quite a few things away from this. I had several aha moments for myself. Oh, I hope so. This is, this has just been so much fun. You're such a inspiration to me always just like, not just having those goals, but literally just like, all right, I'm going to, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. We're going to schedule a date and look at us. We did it. And I just look up to that so much. Well, I appreciate you so much. And I'm so thankful that not only are you my online friend, but you're my real life friend. And yes. (laughs) um, but I'm also really grateful that you agreed to be on the podcast and you were my first guest. And that just felt like really comfy and cozy and intimate. And it wouldn't have been like that with somebody else. So I appreciate you. Oh, it is an honor. And I really hope to give you a squeeze in person soon. Yes, yes. We need to go back to our park dates, our favorite tree. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Okay, it'll get a little bit cooler and then we can do it. It is way too hot right now. (laughs) It's too hot. (laughs) But before I let you go, will you please share with the listeners where they can find you? Yes. Um, I am on Instagram, um, LBMay. It stands for Little Becca May, if anyone was wondering. Um, And then on TikTok, I'm Becca Cloud. Okay, awesome. And I'll make sure to put that in the show notes so that our listeners can like actually go ahead and see how that's spelled out and find you. Perfect. I can't, I hope to meet some new people then. Yes, definitely. And for our listeners, If you head over to Becca's Instagram or her TikTok, leave her a comment and let her know that you found her on the Best Worst Club podcast. I would love that. Yes, please. Yay. Well, Becca, thank you so much for being on here. I hope that you have lots of spoons to last you the rest of the day. Thank you so much. Likewise, right back at you. Thank you, love. I'll talk to you later, okay? Okay. Bye, girl. tune in next week as we start our first series called it's not just a bad period the series came together as a direct result of our community on instagram when i first put out the call to interview into warriors i was honestly surprised at the response Admittedly, the idea for this series wasn't the beginning. In fact, it wasn't until a few interviews in that I realized I am simply orchestrating something our community has been working on for years. I created the space, and you, you stepped in it to fill it with your powerfully heartbreaking and needing to be heard realities of living with endometriosis. It's what the online community has been doing raising awareness of this common disease most have never heard of and calling out the systemic injustices we face. The stories in It's Not Just a Bad Period series are difficult to listen to, 
and I want to keep it that way because they aren't just stories, but the harrowing realities of each warrior that is bravely taking part in this series. Make sure you are subscribed to the Best Worst Club podcast so you don't miss new episodes airing every Friday. Thank you for tuning in to the Best Worst Club podcast. If you could do us the biggest favor and help us reach more Indo Warriors, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you are listening. And take a selfie of you listening or a screenshot and share it on Instagram. I hope you'll join us next week, Indo Warrior.